This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Thanks for listening to the For the Campus podcast, where each week we sit down and have discussions about Christian faithfulness in the college campus. To learn more about City Church Tallahassee and our ministries, head to citychurchtallahassee.com. Hey, this is Hunter Levine, college pastor at City Church Tallahassee. On today's episode, I sit down with our senior pastor, Dean and Sarah, and kick off the podcast with a conversation about what Christian faithfulness looks like for college students, the importance of the local church, and the dangers and opportunities that are presented in this weird time of social distancing and online engagement. All right. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for uh, sitting down with us and letting us kick off our first ever For the Campus podcast. We've been wanting to do this for a while, and we've talked a lot about it. And uh, one of the opportunities that came in this season was it kind of forced us to think about how can we get to people on their phones? How can we get to people online? And this actually presented the, the right step for us to come out and do this. And the thing that we want to talk about and use the podcast for is to talk about Christian faithfulness on the college campus. That's kind of our little tagline. And I'm curious, like just in general, what would you say are markers of Christian faithfulness for college students? Well, I think, well, one, I miss our college students already, you know, so I'm excited for hopefully the world to get back to normal one day. Uh, so it's great to be with you guys. I, you know, I love City Church U and all that it is for our church family. Uh, but what I think faithfulness looks like are really two things, and I think it's a theme throughout the scriptures, and I think it's what you believe and what you do about what you believe. You know, it was, uh, you know, in the scriptures we see the the encouragement to watch your life and to watch your doctrine, that both those things matter. And students are going to get challenged with both of those things regularly. Probably the first thing they're going to get challenged with is what they believe, because uh, they're probably the people in America the most that are in an environment that is the most hostile towards what they believe. Mm-hmm. Like if you work for the state, there's going to be people who aren't Christians there, but there's not going to be an environment necessarily of hostility. If you work mm-hmm. for an accounting firm or yeah. a law <laughs> firm, or you know, there's not going to be an environment of hostility towards what you believe. Maybe indifference, maybe just different opinions, but not hostility. Like, oh, it's really hard to be a Christian at this accounting firm. It's like, okay, they're probably, I, I believe that, but it's nothing like it is for a college student where there actually is like an organized sometimes assault on Christian belief. Uh, so I think that's really going to come down to what are my real convictions? Am I willing to be a fool? We've been mm-hmm. going through First Corinthians as a church for several months. Am I willing to be viewed as a fool in the eyes of the world uh, to be what God sees as wise, which is a believer in his gospel? And then after that, is my life distinct? Like, am I responding to what I believe? And we say regularly at our church that distinct lives point to a distinct God. Mm-hmm. Uh, do people around me know that I'm a believer? 
one that does require words, uh, but also requires a lifestyle. Like, are, are, is my dating relationship different than my unbelieving friends who are dating? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, you know, what brings me joy? What brings me happiness? Uh, my commitment to my church? Like, like are all these things different uh, than someone that is an unbeliever? If there's no distinction, then we got to even push a little bit back a little another layer and go, okay, let's go back to belief. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you really believe? Is this just head knowledge? Is this just something you were raised in? Or is it actually yours? So I think life and doctrine are the markers of faithfulness for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, for all Christians, but where you can really see it on under kind of siege and on trial for the world to see is in college, which is interesting because here you are, you're 20 years old, and you're already being thrown into a place where your faith you know, is feeling the heat. Yeah. Where a lot of times 50-year-olds rarely feel that if you live in the Bible belt. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I, I admire Christian colleges very much. In the adult workplace, like if you're sitting in your office, you're probably not going to have your coworker come in and just ask you, hey, man, what do you believe about this? Hey, what do you think about this new thing? Like people seem to be a little bit more boxed in. But on the college campus, your professors are constantly asking you, what are your thoughts on this? And your coworkers, there's a, a kind of environment of of learning, I guess, that, that would spur, spur that on. Yeah, and in the regular work world, if someone's coming to talk to you about their faith, they usually have a question. Mm-hmm. Right, they actually want to know something. Mm. Hey, how, what, what what do you think about it? I know you're a Christian. Like, how, how does faith play into what's going on with the coronavirus? How does it make sense of this issue? What are the issues of the day? And, and on the college campus, it's different than that. It's not just a hey, I have a question. It's I I don't I think that you're a bigot because you believe what you believe and think only Christians mm-hmm. go to heaven or whatever it might be. Uh, it's it's, a, it's just a different ball game. So again, my admiration for college students is strong, and and more and more the reason to be as equipped as possible to live mm-hmm. your faith. And I appreciate how you encourage them because to, to really live out their life and to actually point people to Christ because I think the biggest temptation that college students experience when they go to campus is just to try to slide by. Like, I'm just going to try to just slide through my classes. I don't want to get noticed. I don't want to cause a scene and just kind of try to look like everybody else and kind of become camouflaged. And it's just like what Christ says, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, they take their lives and they try to hide it. You know, they try to, uh, rather than being a light on campus, what are some specific things that you hope college students would do in our church to be a light when they're on campus? Well, we talk about how hard it is to be a Christian on a college campus. Let's not make that us make us forget the fact of what an opportunity it is. Yeah, it's both. Yes, it's difficult, but wow, what a wide open door! I don't think you'll ever be around as many unbelievers in one organized fashion the rest of your life mm-hmm. as you are right now. I mean, what enough? We're talking thousands and thousands. Yeah, you know, most people it's dozens you yeah. know, at, their, at their workplace, or you know, you're talking thousands and thousands. So we need to see it not just oh, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're praying for you. Yeah, that's true, but also, man, what an opportunity you have to go onto this campus and to build relationships on believers. And I think it looks like this, like if we're going to actually be like Jesus, and if you and I said, let's define discipleship, and we asked 10 people to define what is discipleship, Mm -hmm. we'd use different words, but I hope if we're all evangelicals, we would come to the conclusion that has something to do with becoming more like Jesus. Like whatever the process is, like that's kind of the goal. Well, I don't think we're ever more like Jesus than when we're following him into the world. He said Mm -hmm. he came to seek and save those who were lost. Uh, So I would hope that college students don't see this as a holding pattern for the rest of their life because it doesn't get easier because you get more comfortable. So if you're not missional as a 20-year-old, it's going to be hard to be missional as a 30-year-old. Like like, Almost every habit's being formed now. If you're not generous when you're 19, it's going to be a little bit of a stretch for you to be generous when you're when you're 29. You know, it's yeah. just like the habits you're you're leading now. So college students, it's so it's so easy, and a lot of college students that we encountered. One of the reasons why we started our college ministry was what we witnessed a lot on campus, and mm-hmm. that is there's of course there's some wonderful campus ministries. We support campus ministries, 
if you're trying to reach hooks for Jesus, we're with you. Okay, like we're we're on your team. But a lot of them are just very insulated. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of basically, especially in more conservative evangelical circles, a lot of them they would never admit this out loud, but they exist basically to keep people from drinking and help them make friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's basically yeah. what they do. And they, again, they would never admit that, but that's functionally what it is. We, we don't want to be that. We want do we want people to make friends. Yeah. Do we want to have people have environments with like-minded people where they're safe from temptation. Sure. We want to send our students into the world. Mm-hmm. We want to send our students into campus every single day. So all the things we are doing, our discipleship, that's very you know intentional in our college ministry, mm-hmm. the relationships they're forming, all these things are for the purpose of, of course, being more like Christ, but also being equipped to be on his mission on campus. Mm-hmm. And so I really think that the challenge is to get Christian college students to not be removed from the world because the tendency for a lot of them that come in already as believers, that come in from Christian homes, is to huddle you know, with their Christian friends that they made their first week on campus at their campus ministry and then completely be removed outside of having to attend a class yeah. are completely removed from the lost part of campus. And I and I think, some folks might disagree and that's fine, I think that's almost as tragic as falling away. Hmm. I think falling away is worse, don't get me wrong, I said yeah. almost as tragic, uh, but to be to completely waste your four years or your five years or your three years or whatever uh, as as a missionary, that's not like Jesus. And so I think it's pretty tragic, you know. So yeah. I'm not saying they should be standing on the corner yelling every day about their faith, but how what would it look like to have to know your next door neighbors at your apartment complex well, mm-hmm. because you're there a lot too, right? They're around each other a lot. They had they they don't have the same normal schedule as everybody else does. You know, a lot of times they're up later. They're they're hanging out more. What a chance to build relationships. And I would be really discouraged if a college student came through our church for four years and never made an impact on any lostness around them. And, and that's a good transition. You know, one of the phrases that we have with City Church U is we want to build great church members. And we don't mean insulated people, but we mean people who are living on mission for Christ, who are growing in their faith, who are participating in the, the mission and activities of the local church. And it kind of comes from that Ephesians 4, where Paul's talking about we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, that we tell our college students that they, they don't have a ministry they go to. They have a ministry on campus that they've been given by Christ. And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about what does it look like for a college student to participate well in local church? Well, I think that as this is a senior pastor, it's been really neat to witness it. You know, we've seen it actually happen since our church started. You know, since our church began uh, in 2007 and that that summer, really, uh, the backbone of our church oftentimes has been students. The first group that came in the door was students, uh, the first volunteers we had, you know, the first ones who were bringing friends. Uh, now those people are raising families and working jobs all across the nation, that original City Church group, and, and I'm very in debt to them for, for just how they, as students, said we're going to be local church people. So that culture was built in very early into our church, so I'm thankful for, but we never actually had an intentional college ministry because our entire church was basically college students, so <laughs> I was the kind of the functional college pastor. I was pretending to be a college student as a high school student at the time. Yeah, that's yeah. right, you were, and you fit in okay, yeah. <laughs> so you're still here. Yeah. So um, so I've, now we realize that as our church became multi-generational, we needed to really lock in mm-hmm. and make sure we had a focus on students. It couldn't take for granted uh, that, <laughs> that we were going to reach them. Uh, so what it looks like for us is not that students just come here and attend every now and then because they feel like they should go to church mm-hmm. or because they can tell their mom back home they went to church, but actually be a part of it. Be a, we believe the local church is God's design, is God's plan. Uh, so for them to actually say, look, my, my, my foundational primary place for Christian community is my church. Mm-hmm. The foundational primary place where I get discipled is my local church. The foundational primary place where I give my Christian service and my, and my gifts are to the local church. It means the local church is number one. 
So they don't think first, oh, my campus ministry, even though we think it's great to go be a part of a campus ministry, but that's separate. That, that's, mm-hmm. that should be like an organized effort to go do this specific task of reaching this corner of campus together. Mm-hmm. The local church is where everything else should take place. And anyone who has a problem with that really just doesn't understand that the church is God's plan. It's God's mm-hmm. design. Uh, so for us to have great church members when they leave here, and we love that. I, that's a great culture you've created as our college minister to where I get texts and phone calls saying, I'm so thankful you sent this person to someone in Tennessee, you know, somebody in Pennsylvania even. Like, I'm, I'm so glad you sent this person to us. Man, they're fantastic. And they're even better there than they were here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <know>? And, <laughs> and, and, which is great. Uh, but to me, it means that that the number one priority for your Christian, just everything, mm-hmm. your activities, your discipleship, your Bible study, your connection is through the church. And when college students get that and it clicks, there's no turning back. And they wouldn't want it any other way. You can only see them go, oh, <laughs> like this is what it is. You yeah. know, because because the job of the church, the church is God's plan. We can't we can't be we can't apologize for really actually believing that the local church should be the place where not just college students, but every Christian anchors their life. And a lot of people are afraid to say that because it sounds like disunifying to parachurch ministries. That's, it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it's disunifying, it means that it's the parachurch ministries that kind of have their panties in a wad mm-hmm. uh, about it because they know it's true. Mm-hmm. So for, for a parachurch ministry, go do evangelism on campus. Go get them. Yeah. And we'll cheer you on. The local church is where everything happens for the Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I wanted to talk about while we're together is, you know, kind of with thinking about what does Christian faithfulness look like, and then also what does it look like to participate? You can't have Christian faithfulness apart from the church. It's very clear in the scriptures. How are you submitting to the elders? Yeah. How are you How are you gathering with the believers? How are you doing all these things that scripture calls us to do? They can't happen without the church. It's implied all throughout the New Testament that that's part of it. But in this season that we're in right now, you know, it, everything with the whole coronavirus hit me really fast because Monday night you were, you were uh, with a president of Florida State University and you come to me and say, hey, man, you know, just so you know, this is something that might be coming down the pipe. And all of a sudden, like something that I had heard about on the news is like might be shutting down our city functionally as we know it. And then now here we are today. We just recorded a service on Sunday and live streamed it. I mean, all sorts of plans are changing around here at City Church and the way that we do ministry. And in this season of so much change, what do you think a, a college student can do to continue to pursue Christian faithfulness in a season that is so unique and bizarre, like with sharing the gospel and you know community and et cetera? Yeah, well, one, what an opportunity to actually hone in on Christian disciplines, mm-hmm. you know, to really actually read your Bible and pray. I know it's difficult to do that every day. I get mm-hmm. it. You know, it's just easy to you sleep. You sleep until the last possible second it takes for you to be able to get up and get ready and get out the door. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's easy to forget to read your Bible and to pray, and, and then the day gets going, and before you know it, you've done all the things, and then you're tired, or you have five people in your apartment, and everybody's talking, and it's, it's just the day's gone by, then it's been three days, four days, you haven't even looked at your Bible. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. That's just called human life, right? It doesn't make it okay. It's just reality. The, the excuse is kind of gone right now. Yeah. Right? Like, what, what an opportunity. I, th- I think I've read my Bible more in the last like four days that I have like yeah. <laughs> ever. <laughs> you know? It's funny you said the opportunity. My mom <laughs> sent me a photo that said thoughts and prayers to the guys who have been saying to their wives, I'll do that when I get time. <laughs> That's right. It's totally true. Yeah, right? I mean, there's a, it's yeah, there's just, definitely some extra time here. So we have more time than ever. And we're in a world right now where people take working out and going to the gym more seriously than t- reading the Bible. Like they have time for that, but don't have time to read the It's just the reality of where we're at right now. I'm not saying it's okay. It just is what it is. Uh, but we have to be able to overcome that and have to say, hey, well, let's reset our priorities. So maybe this could be that. And I would hope that by now saying, I'm actually going to read my Bible every day because I have the time to do it, 
then we'll taste and see that the mm-hmm. Lord is good. And when things get back to whatever normal looks like, that this is our new normal, mm-hmm. that we actually treasure the scriptures. We love God's word and we want to read it every single day. And now so we don't have time to do other things. Yeah. Or we're getting up a little bit earlier, stand up a little later, or whatever that works for somebody. And then after that, like this is, you know, now we're, we've all migrated this way. Mm-hmm. This is the first generation really to only know life on the phone. Mm-hmm. Now we all live that now, but but in terms of this has always been how it's been. Yeah, uh, is, is that they're they have friends that they've met on on their phones. Yeah, you know, on, on social media, on Instagram, things like that. Okay, great. Well, let's lock in <laughs> to where yeah. life already is, and, and really one take advantage of resources that are available online in terms of things, anything from podcasts to gospel coalition articles and websites like that, just mm-hmm. that can help us in Christian faithfulness, but also to be connected to people. Yeah. You know, to be in chats and to be texting and to be do all those kind of things to stay connected to folks. And, and also, like, you know that if, if you're going through anxious thoughts right now, I'm sure your friends are too. So what a time to – this is like the time where you can actually send Bible verses and prayers to people and them not roll their eyes and think yeah. you're being super spiritual, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like, people actually are receiving these things right now. So maybe God's setting us up, you know, to be able to really have an impact. And that's not going to look like a large gathering right now. It's not going to look like our launch at Langford event that we do to kick off the semester at Florida State's football stadium outside or Easter at the Civic Center or mm-hmm. anything like that. What it's going to look like right now is just individual connections and relationships. So what a chance to read the Bible and to be connected to Christian resources, to catch up on sermons from your church you haven't listened to, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And also what a chance to really be intentional about staying relationally connected to people. And I would hope that those are the two things we prioritize. Yeah. And I'd love to challenge people too, to think, of some sort of rhythm of maybe every day I'm going to text or message or whatever, three people, maybe I'll call them and check on them and use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Because I do feel like Christian people, we, we our hope is not in the functions of this world and how the society is functioning at the time. So I feel like it does present that good opportunity to stay missional and to stay involved in community, even though you know, and you don't have to pretend like, oh, texting is just as good as hanging out on the couch. You know, no, of course not. But at the same time, like, I mean, you talked about this the other day. The biggest fear I have is what I'm calling a relational recession, which is just all these relationships that are kind of not like the really close friends that you know you'll have at the end of this, but all those people who were you were just starting to click with, and now all of a sudden you're separated from them for a few months. Like, are you going to lose all of those relationships? And why not just make it an intentional practice? I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to shoot three people a text and like not just be like, how you doing? But like genuinely try to to check in on them. What, what are some other dangers that you see in this season for college students? I think not taking care of mental health. Like it's easy to get depressed. Yeah. You know, you go from your whole world and you're at FSU and in your, in your apartment and friends everywhere. And all of a sudden now some are back home. You know, and and without a job, without mm-hmm. just kind of in their house, uh, I think that's easy. I think given in temptation, in terms of um, pornography and, and mm. just boredom, uh, can lead to that. It's not bad to be bored, uh, but if we don't use our boredom constructively, yeah, I, I'm, I'm worried about that for a lot of people. Just the chance to get back into old habits. Uh, I, I think that um, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of dating couples aren't going to socially isolate themselves. You know, they're in the same town. They're still going to come over and that kind of stuff. That's just human nature and normal, I think. Um, They're not going to be in mass gatherings. They're going to have their girlfriend come over to their house. I think that can, you know, can allow a lot more temptation, especially if there's no one there during the day because people's jobs haven't stopped. I always think you have to almost like kind of put some restrictions on yourself that you had back when you were in high school. Yeah. And have to revert a little bit. Like mom and dad aren't home. It's probably not the best idea. I know you don't want to think that way because you're 21, but... Uh, but I, I just worry that those things are going to happen. And then another one that's not related to the, to in terms of 
lifestyle temptation things, but just the big picture is I hope that church doesn't go back burner in people's minds mm-hmm. where they get used to just watching online or they buy into some kind of lie that you can have church in your living room watching it on TV when that's just not really true. You know, the church is the gathered people of God, you know, organized. People say they don't like organized religion. Well, if you don't like organized religion, you don't like New Testament religion because the church was organized. Uh, so I, I would hope that I, I've seen like people make predictions that when the church does come back in terms of the Sunday gathering and all the, and the all the normal things that is the church, that you might look at 20 to 30% less people because of people wow. being scared about the virus. The virus is going to change things forever. I'm not that doom and gloom about it, uh, but I hope that's not true. And, and who can prevent that from being true? Us, right? Those who call the city church their home, that they're going to come back ready to go, ready to roll. And I just hope that doesn't become, kind of you're talking about the relational recession. Yeah, yeah. I hope there's not a church recession either or, or just a kind of rationale of, well, you know, we've done it for this long. We've been home. What's the point? You know, I'd rather just sleep in. I'd rather I'll watch it on Monday. You know, those type of things. Uh, there's a reason why we don't stream online regularly, and it's for that very reason. Some might say, "What about those who are sick? What about the, they can watch on Monday?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so but uh, that's one reason why we don't do that because there's just too much of a temptation just to stay home, and the church comes together. So I would hope. So I think those are all the kind of the struggles uh, are, are those are, of those things. So and then I think another one might be to become an expert like a social media expert, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden pretend that you're an infectious disease. You know, I, I had no idea. I had so many friends who have a relative who was a doctor yeah. or worked for the government. Yeah. I had no idea <laughs> until all the texts I got. So just yeah. chill out a little bit, you know, is what I, what I would say. Yeah, that's one of the biggest challenges with this season is, um, you know, you go on social media and it is all doom and gloom and it's all mismatched information. You know, I'm here in two months, three months, eight months. My uncle, who's a contagion expert out of Idaho, says, you know, and then all of a sudden you're just like very overwhelmed at how long am I going to have to live this way? And I feel like for Christians, we don't have to pretend and be fake and say, you know, everything's great and we can, you know, just meet online and everything's as it should. I think that they can come in and say, you know what, like this sucks that it's set up this way, but also be positive and act like, you know, the fact that we can't go to the beach right now or can't sit inside Chick-fil-A is like now all of our joy has been stolen from us when our joy was legitimately as cliche as it is. You say all the time, cliches are true. Our joy is meant to be in Christ. And this virus has not taken Christ from his people. The Chick-fil-A comment hit a little close to home, but but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna receive it in humility. The drive-thru is still open. <laughs> the drive-thru is so still open. It's open and, and very But you're effective. right. You're absolutely yeah. right, man. Yeah, like we, the things we believe and claim, like that God is in control, it's so mm-hmm. easy to say it's different to believe that, you know? Yeah. So I think we're going to really see if we actually believe what we claim. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, I have four questions that oh students, these are rapid fire questions. Okay. These were submitted by students for this podcast okay. that they want to hear from you. Great. All right. The first one um, out the gate is what is your favorite college memory? My favorite college memory you know, it's not a favorite one. It's a distinct one. It's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. September 11th, I was walking out of one of my classes. My roommate grabbed me and said, hey, did you hear that somebody accidentally flew a plane through the World Trade Center? They think maybe that, you know, he had a heart attack or something and just didn't have time to fix it. And I'm like, wow, that's terrible. And just kind of kept walking. Just like, oh, that's really sad. Within three hours, our entire school was gathered in our basketball arena, I went to Christian college mm-hmm. for for prayer, wow. and and I'll just I'll just never forget that. You know, that's kind of a lot heavier a- yeah. answer than they wanted. But when I think of of like a memory from college, it's it's that 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 really comes to mind. The fun stuff is just kind of the road trips. I'm a big Miami Hurricane fan, uh, which is random being a or weird being a pastor in Tallahassee. Yeah, and Miami uh, played a lot of games around school. So what I would do, my grandpa would send me tickets. He was a long time student ticket holder. All the away games. 
And I would basically just be like, who wants to drive and pay for gas? You got a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody would drive and pay for gas and I'd give them a ticket, we'd go to games. So I'd drive back, you know, late at night from all these different towns. Yeah. And that's just kind of some of the fun stuff I remember. Absolutely. What is the best book that you've ever read and why? I, I still, probably one of the first real Christian books I read, I always go to this, I was probably 18 or 19, called The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. And a lot of our students read that book. My mm-hmm. uncle sent it to me. Uh, I think I was, I was like a senior in high school. That's when it was. And he sent it to me and was like, I think you're ready for, for some theology and to read this stuff. And he was the first person to ever like really expose me to Christian theology. And that book's very readable. It's, you know, it's, it's not a hard read, but it's just, it just gives you such a huge view of who God is, right? And I say all the time here, the most important question we cannot ask is, if is is there a God? But if there is a God, has he spoken? And he has spoken, and he wants us to know who he is. So that book, just really outside the Bible, does such a great presentation of here's who God is, and now what does that mean of us? That's what I would say. Yeah. As you look back at your time in college, what's your biggest regret that you feel comfortable sharing about that season of life? You know, I would say that I maybe allowed myself to kind of get cold towards a lot of Christian things because mm-hmm. I was just surrounded by it all the time. And it's easy to like get just turned off to the machine, I guess, mm-hmm. of just everything being Christian all the time around you. Um, that I, I think I, I kind of walked out a little jaded and it took me a little time to recover from that. And I think I still maybe have a little bit of yeah. a little scars from some of those things I had to work through sometimes. That would be one of them. And, and, and another another regret was um, that I maybe didn't get – I got less involved on campus as I got older. Mm-hmm. You know, so like freshman, sophomore year, I was like all in, like let's do everything. Yeah. And then like kind of junior and senior year, got a little too cool for school, got a little removed, you know, just kind of had my apartment with my friends and and that type of thing. So So I would have stayed more connected to like all the goings on yeah of of campus life later on in college yeah i think that's kind of common the older you get the more removed you get Mm -hmm. you know so so i think that that's a mistake yeah only it's only four years yeah and as you get older you actually have more influence like it would actually you're you're more effective in influencing younger students as you better know the campus and have that type of credibility and we see that all the time yeah like my senior year i basically took classes yeah i mean yeah i mean you know so i would have that would have done that differently and just kind of gone all in still I was so involved you know the first few years I would my senior year I would have been like significantly more I would have stayed like I'd have been an RA or something or something like that and just been as on involved my senior years I could have and if dean college dean were living in 2020 right now and listening to this podcast what would you tell him I would say that the greatest things that God gives us are oftentimes the least marketable hmm. and they and they look the least sexy just mundane responsibilities of life that that are the that are the great things that God uses to grow us everything doesn't have to be awesome everything doesn't have to be you know a 10 out of 10 uh, I, th- I think it was Rick Warren who said that who's a pastor in California who said just from a preaching standpoint that he doesn't have to hit home runs every week, just hit singles. Mm-hmm. I think that's true of life too. And mm-hmm. we don't have to just have everything sensationalized, everything be a big deal. Like every person, ask anyone in high school what they want to be when they grow up. And, you know, I mean, there's people that give just like kind of normal job answers, 
you know, but but a lot of times it's just always these massive like there's only so many spots for that kind of do, stuff. Do quote right? unquote, I want to do big things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I and that's that's a good, that's a good way to put it. So the big things in real life are the mundane things. Yeah, parenting my kids, being a husband, being a friend, being a pastor, being local in Tallahassee, coaching little league baseball. Yeah. I mean, those kind of things are what most people wind up doing and where life really happens. So so I. Um, I would just make sure that I was aware of that, and and so I didn't have to learn it. Uh, I did so it was more of a thing I learned than a thing I believed at first. So just know that God is in those things. Those are good things. It's not settling like all that kind of stuff. It, I, I just I, I can't stand when people use words like settling. Oh, he's just settling. Like what? What do you mean by that? Like you no, know, he has a job and he's providing for his family. That's not settling. That's called taking advantage of your or taking your responsibilities seriously. You know. Yeah. So I think I just told myself that earlier. Uh, I, I would have communicated that to myself. Um, second, I'd have told myself to, to, I think the value of, of, of longtime friendships, you know, I, um, I lost touch with a lot of people I went to college with. So, some I'll be able to reconnect with. I, I'm friends with a lot of people I grew up with, which is really cool. But long-term friendships really matter. I read some stat, I don't know who made it up or who wrote it somewhere that most friendships only last like, it's like five years or something wow. like that, six years, something yeah. like that. And then you get a whole new group of friends. And I can see that happening because life phase change and that type of thing, but there's still something great. New friends are awesome. Please make new friends. Mm -hmm. But there's still something great about maintaining long-term, like, lasting friendships and relationships because, I mean, a lot of people who are in your friend group right now in college, sorry, statistically, that's a tough one, Mm -hmm. speaking, will not be in your friend group in 10 years. I just think that's kind of unfortunate. I think you can do both. I think you can have new friends and then have have that as well. So that's probably some of the things I told myself. Well, that's good. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today and joining us on our first ever episode. Any closing thoughts or hopes? You know, the church needs to be together, and and I would hope that that we are missing it, even though it's only been a little while. Who knows knows how long it's going to be? Mm that we come back when that time is ready, like a ready to roll mm-hmm. and, and going to take seriously what, what God has given us here and this opportunity he's given us in Tallahassee. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thanks again for listening to the For the Campus podcast. If this podcast was helpful for you, please take time to share it with others. Also, feel free to reach out to us online. Have a great day.